The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner-creator of FSW, Future Stars of Wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how you doing on this lovely after-4th of July weekend? Oh man, the... the the noise from the fireworks like man it's amazing how much fireworks one person can continually light off for hours on end it's like i you know i i don't mind a nice fireworks show at, at at disneyland disney world but once you've seen it it's it's kind of the same thing to me so it's it's never been, you know, I've never lit in a firecracker in my life. You know, it's kind of like Jaws. I, I won't go in the ocean because of the sharks. It's kind of like, you know, I guess I saw all those PSAs about blowing your thumb off or, or watching a football player have three fingers now. Right. had a, an accident with fireworks. That just is not appealing to me. Yeah, and the uh, the Columbus, uh, the Blue Jackets, the young goalie that they had ended up dying in a firework accident this weekend. I thought he got killed because he slipped and ran from the thing. They said he actually got hit with a mortar in the chest. Oh, Jesus. That's what he died from. I was like, holy crap. Oh, man. Um, let me ask you, as a dog owner, how is your dog with fireworks? My dog now is not too bad. You know, he gets a little whiny, but he doesn't bark. And he likes to bark. Believe me, when you know when there's somebody, like, leaving an Amazon package that doesn't even ring the bell. Right. And my dog will bark to let me know that there's somebody there. But when it came to the fireworks, you know, he, he's not one that, that barks a lot. Like, he'll seem like he's a little, like, you know, a little sketchy and stuff. But he's really quiet, shockingly enough. Well, that's that's good. I mean, uh, it it was one hell of a uh, a treacherous uh, uh, driving. Uh, you saw stuff just blowing up everywhere around you, which was very crazy to see. Um, let me ask you about when you come up with something that is happening on like a holiday weekend. And this weekend it was um, Scars and Stripes. Do you always look at trying to have some kind of tie-in to the holiday for a show that would be coming up um, around like a holiday weekend? Is that something that you, you know, look at and go, hey, we can, you know, make it a little theme towards that holiday um, to give it like a, a unique feel to stand out, especially something like a high octane uh, where, you know, you're going to be doing that every couple of weeks. Does that just give a new flavor to a show? Yeah, you know, we always, I wouldn't say so much about a 4th of July show, but like Halloween, we do, we do our Halloween show, and it's really Halloween-based. You know, we have seasons beatings, you know, that's around Christmas time. Usually we do, hey, five bucks off, bring a... Uh, you know, bring a unwrapped toy. Same thing for like, you know, Thanksgiving. You know, in the past, we used to do sometimes for the 4th of July show, we would do like a barbecue and it would be included with the ticket. Just with the heat and everything going on, it was just like, oh, we're, we're going to pass this year on doing that. So in reality, other than calling it Scars and Stripes, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, fireworks going on unless you consider, you know, Hammerstone destroying Breath of Thread as fireworks. 
let's let's uh, talk about that one first um, in terms of um, so how did that match actually get to be in existence because uh, as I understand it Brett had an open challenge essentially and um, Hammerstone just stepped up and <laughs> and Brett Brett uh, still maintains that he won that match amazingly. Yes, he, he does maintain that. So here was the deal. It was, you know, Brett the Threat signed a contract. He doesn't care. He He's going to beat somebody up at the show. So whoever wanted to sign it. Well, I guess Hammerstone heard some of the comments Brett made during uh, the pre-anniversary promos that he did about the Rumble, and then Brett got thrown out of the Rumble in like five seconds by Dave Mazzani, that Hammerstone didn't have, uh, you know, an opponent said anyway. So he's like, you know what? I'm, I, I remember being that guy, but Hammerstone was never that guy. <laughs> you know, Hammerstone was always respectful Hammerstone was always a student of the business and Hammerstone felt, you know, before this kid's ego got way out of proportion, you know, to teach him a lesson. But to Brett's credit, you know, he found things in that match that made him feel like he was a winner. You know? Yeah. He did get hit with the microphone before the match. Well, the match hadn't started yet, so he couldn't be DQ'd when the bell hadn't rung. So it's like, you know, I know he's used to being an MMA fighter, and maybe in an MMA fight, if you get hit with a microphone before the match, there might be a disqualification. But if it happens before a match in wrestling, that's just part of, uh, you know, be, be aware of your surroundings and be prepared to go at all times, you know, when a referee breaks everything up and Floyd Mayweather knocks you out because you assumed that professional courtesy was going to give you time to reset. Well, he moved you out and it was like, go. And before you got set, you got clocked. And that's how Floyd Mayweather won one of his fights. Right. Nothing illegal about it, but it might have been – Poor sportsmanship, you know. And, you know, Hammerstone, who is a locker room leader, he shuts down anytime there's an issue, felt that maybe uh, making the statement inside the ring this time was better than making a statement on Facebook. <laughs> um, is it um, – do you, do you think that someone like Brett, um, being as young as he is in the business – do you think that he understands the um, the fact that he's getting an opportunity to work in the ring with a guy who is at the level where Brett should be aiming to get to over the next you know few years? Um, is that a, a very um, invaluable, I guess? experience for uh you know a kid of his um potential but yet still greenness to get this opportunity um so early in his career i think it does but i don't think he'd ever admit that you know what i mean sure it's like the bottom line is 13 months ago on june 1st when we reopened everything, that was Brett's first day of training to be a professional wrestler. And in 13 months, in a pandemic where, you know, out of eight or nine of those months, we were we were still dark four or five, five of those months. There wasn't that much opportunity that he got an FSW heavyweight championship opportunity. And he's probably had no more than 20 matches in his life. Yeah. No, if he's had more, it ain't much more. 
You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, the, the abilities there, the, the ability to, you know, have the fans that are indifferent, they react to him. They're engaged from him. Right. Which is usually the most difficult thing for a young wrestler. You know, we saw it with Kevin Cross. We saw it with Chris Bay that those guys had something that made the fans pay attention. You know, Hammerstone is extremely popular. There's no doubt about it. But on Saturday night, he was through the roof popular because they were excited because they knew a guy like Hammerstone could beat the shit out of Brett the Threat, and they were really looking forward to that. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's just, I. it gives me goosebumps sometimes when, you know, that type of heat that he's able to generate naturally and such a, a baby face as Hammerstone is to the crowd, it's just that perfect fusion. Um, amongst the card and, and thinking about younger guys, um, what is it like? for you to watch guys like uh, Chase Bell and Nick Xander as well continue to develop and grow. I know that uh, Nick had put up a, a post regarding the match afterwards that really um, summarized very well something that I think a lot of fans don't understand. That is, here's two guys who are beginning to gel together amazingly but at the beginning of their journeys, they never saw each other in each other's, you know, crossfires. And being put together as a tag team has made them develop into a cohesive unit and a, a, a friendship as well. Is that something that you enjoy seeing when, you know, you take two pieces of raw talent and bring them together, and then they're able to start growing together um, to, you know, have a little bit of a journey um, where, of course, everyone wants to hit that peak of being the champion on their own, but sometimes you find these wonderful combinations for tag teams that no one ever thought of, especially those two guys. Is that something you love seeing is when two things come together um and, and the first example I think of is Jordy and uh, and Royce coming together uh, the way they did. Is that something you kind of see in Chase and Nick? Well, what you got to understand is when these guys are training, you know, they have a vision of where they're going to go in their career. When they're young, their goal is to be able to be a breakout star and, hey, you see a guy like Brett the Threat get to do things on his own. You know, Nick's a guy also who started on June 1st, you know, 2020. And actually, I think Nick started a little later, to be honest with you. Nick might have started in July or August, okay? So he has no more than 12 months, and it might be closer to 11, okay? And the thing is because of the depth of our tag team division and we were doing, you know, we were, we were kind of going back and forth with creature feature and suavecitos and sky high that there was only so many gauntlets and lights, camera faction, which was another heel team. So you looked at those four teams and three of them were heels. Right. Okay. So there's only so many singles matches, tag matches, multiple tag matches, eight-man tags, gauntlets that you could do amongst those three or four teams. So we needed something else. So we needed a couple of baby faces. And Chase, I saw a lot of ability in. And Nick was coming along really well. The crowd seemed to like, like him and react to him. So it was like, okay, well... Young guys need matches. Yeah. There's only so many matches on the card. 
So there's a good chance Chase Bell and Nick Xander won't be on that card Saturday unless I could put him in a six-man tag or a tag team match. So we put him in the tag match, and the crowd seemed to respond, and and Chase kind of grew where Chase was this young kid with some ability that had wrestled in Louisiana for some time, but he really still needed to grow as a performer. And they've kind of grown up. You know, right in front of us. But the thing is, it's like whether it was putting the whirlwind gentlemen together, whether, you know, which was their choice or whether it was Jarrell and Royce at a necessity, it's up to those guys to embrace it and then become better. You know, I've had a few conversations with Nick even more recently and he had hit me up before about it, like, hey, is this a regular thing, you know, thinking gear, thinking names. And I'm like, to be honest with you, I don't know. It's like I'm trying to just give you guys opportunities. And sometimes those opportunities are single stuff, and sometimes those opportunities are tag stuff. And if I need a good baby face trio that are random guys, you know, why would I put Nick – the shade and Brandon G together when I could put Nick Chase Bell and somebody else together because they've already got, you know, the continuity of at least working together. And it seems now as more time has passed and they see themselves, hey, you know, they got to be in the six man at the anniversary show. Right. You know, they got to be on the main card that in a normal situation. If they were singles wrestlers, I can guarantee you right now, the way those, the, those shows were set up, they would have not been on the show. Right. So do you want to be on the show and do what I need? Or do you want to wait for the right opportunity that you think is the right opportunity? Well, the first person that says, well, I'll wait is now going to wait a lot longer than you know, they probably had hoped for because you're always taught when there's an opportunity, it doesn't matter what it is. You take it. Right. You know what I mean? And now it seems like as they've kind of gelled without really working to gel that they've said, Hey, you know what? We might be a pretty good tag team. You know, maybe let's work on it a little more. You know, I always goofed on Nick about his gear. And it's like, hey, he stepped up. He had new gear for this show. You know, I I didn't really, you know, it looked, you know, it screamed, you know, indie newbie. You know what I mean? And it was like, you know, it's perception. There's so many things that it comes to in wrestling for people to take you seriously. And, you know, some of these guys, especially the younger ones, are they in the best shape they can be? Nope. And what happens? Well, yeah, they're going to get utilized, but they're not going to be in a situation where they may feel that they're deserving of, you know, you got to play the part, right? You know, you got to good. You got to act good. You got to, you know, you got to be in the back and, and you need to get along with people and you need to worry about what your job is and not what you want to do. You know, those are some of the biggest issues with the young wrestlers. Instead of doing what the promoter wants, he wants to show off to show the promoter what he can do. Well, it doesn't call for you to do a 450 in this match. You're supposed to be your ass beat. Right. You you know what I mean? And that's always been the problem where, you know, or, you know, it's the pre-show match and now they're doing five dives on the outside because they think it's impressive. And it's like a little hint for the millionth time. It's not impressive. I've seen it done by way better guys than you, you know, stick to the basics and stick to doing what's needed. of You, you know what I mean? Sure. Which is, which is interesting too. Cause I think one of the things that the thought, the thought process of a young guy isn't even thinking that a pre-show match, let's say people are still coming in. People are still getting situated if you're putting your body through that where not as many people are paying attention 
you know, on top of on top of the fact that you're trying to showcase yourself, you're missing out on the fact that people are not necessarily engaged yet. And so instead of telling the right story and tr- instead of getting the the crowd interested getting that focus, you do a high spot and then it's lost essentially. Um you know, you talked about the young guys taking care of their bodies. Um, one of the guys who comes to mind that I think has done a phenomenal job in the last year is Adriel. How did you think that Adriel's match went? And do you see, obviously you have creature feature as a tag team, but when you see a guy making that type of commitment to being in the gym, to really getting himself, um, you know, in a condition that is just, you know, he he's in such a better place than he was just a year or so ago. Is that something that intrigues you when you see those guys take that next step of showing their commitment to becoming a professional um, that you might give them the opportunities to have singles matches um, without necessarily taking apart the tag team that is, you know, an established tag team that you have. Is that a, a almost a conflict for you? Or is it just something that you try to do to give them a little different opportunity while still keeping them a tag team? Not at all, because the reason they're in a tag team, again, is because they were two young guys that were worthy of getting on a spot, but we needed tag teams because we needed to take that, you know, those nine matches or those 40 guys, 40 guys is still 40 guys. But if you do three tag matches, it puts, you know, two, 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 you know what I mean? So now four guys are in a match and now you got 12 guys on a match instead, instead of six. Right. So it six more guys an opportunity or whether it was the six man tags where those guys were in, you know, so there's no set in stone, you know, they're not the top one or two tag teams. There's sky high. Well, they're two brothers who seem to gel pretty good. Mondo's done well when Robbie was hurt, but there's a better chance that sky high would stay a tag team longer. You know what I mean? The Suavecitos have a shtick. You know, but Laz and Adriel have differing styles. Right. So seeing them as just singles competitor down the line, is that possible? Absolutely. You know, he wrestled the kid from uh, Ohio, Percy Drews, who awesome. You know, great young kid. I don't know how old he is, but I'm going to assume he's like 22 you know, he was trained by, like, Trey Miguel and Ace Austin and Callahan are all, you know, in that mix from the Ohio crew. And it's like, you know, here's a guy who made his own way to come to Vegas because he wanted to work for FSW. And then after the fact that he got to work, he was like, hey, just be aware, you know, because obviously we're not going to be flying in talent from Ohio that – are indie guys that are good, but they don't have a following and, and it, it, it probably, they, they would be priced out from us being able to afford a four or $500 plane ticket right. for a young kid who may be good. But here's a guy similar to a Jordan Oasis who gets himself out here. You know, he, he lives in Washington, but every week he's either at Rikishi's school. He's at our place. He's always He's invested in himself. You know, how do you invest in yourself? Well, the new way of investing in yourself is getting yourself to the companies you want to work for by getting there yourself. You know, the investment was always looking good and getting your, your videos out there and hoping somebody would bring you in. Now these guys are taking it upon themselves, getting sponsors, you know, and that's what happened with uh, Travis Titan, who worked in the four-way. You know, he had a friend, he had another fan, and they covered his flight to Vegas. 
yeah. you know, and it, we gave him what his rate was. Well, I couldn't give him his rate and another $370 that his flight was for a guy that nobody knows other than if they watched AEW Dark, they saw him a couple times. Obviously, he's a rising star in the business, and it, it, it's crazy how the fans are now being able to get like involved. And the Adriel match with Percy Drews was basically a fan-sponsored match. Right. And, and they wanted that match, so they covered Percy to get out here and wanted to see that match. And, you know, in conjunction, he was like, hey, bro, you know, I sponsored the match. Can I get a link? And it's like, yeah. So we gave him the FSW network for the weekend since, you know, he covered the guy's flight for us. You know sure. what I mean? And it's like, that seems to be the new thing. Everybody's doing the sponsor wrestler stuff you know, to get people out there. And, you know, the fans love it. They get to see their guy in a company that they like, you know, I don't know who Brad Reader wants to bring in. Maybe, you know what I'm saying? which i know you are hey you know there's somebody on that east coast send them our way oh my god that's uh you know it's it reminds me a lot of uh, low minor league baseball like a level baseball where you know you have families that sponsor these kids who get drafted into the system and then you know they're living at a you know a family's house for their first two or three seasons with a, with an A league team, um, and then you also have passing the the hat around for you know when a guy hits a homer or when a guy uh, you know hits uh, does a strikeout or something like that. Uh, do you think that this type of thing where there's more fan activity in sponsoring guys? It's going to lead to bigger opportunities, but do you think there's also potentially a line where some of those people who would sponsor will try to take that step a little further and try to maybe, you know, say, hey, almost in a weird way, working as an agent, essentially, to try to get the guy in a better position or to, you know, um, try to get that person more over than let's say what you envision for that person coming into your company. Could there be a conflict of interest of, you know, fans doing a sponsorship? And of course it's not, you know, it would be a rare occasion, but is that opportunity something that, you know, could go wrong in, in a sense? I guess it could, if you don't explain things to these people, you know what I mean? It's like, they're not going to dictate anything other than, okay, uh, like Travis Titan, for example. Nobody told me. It's like if he's going to come in, he's going to come. If you're sponsoring Travis Titan, you're, tra you're sponsoring Travis Titan to come to FSW. I will put Travis Titan in the match where I see fit. Right. And, and you will know that beforehand. You're not going to be like, hey, I'm going to bring in Travis Titan for you, and he's got to wrestle Hammerstone. Well, that, that that's not how it works, you know. And it's been done in this business. It's called pay to play, right. where whether the manager or these other guys, you know, we had a guy Johnny Ferrari. You know, he would he would cover guys like EC3, and he'd get booked on to be their manager. You know what I mean? And it's like. You want to be in the business and you want to get your name out there. You got to get your way to these places. Right. You know, there's guys who have hit me up and it's like, yeah, if you're out here, maybe, but I'm not, I'm not getting you out here. And in the 12 years we've been in existence, you know, what's going on now in the last six months has happened more than the other 11 years combined. Right. Like that was never how it was. You either got booked by the company 
You know, in a lot of cases, you showed up and hoped there was a spot, which, you know, in our in, in our spots, that's not how it works. You know, there there was there's a couple other shows in town. So there's people we talk to on Facebook. We've become I've become friendly with and they're, they'll they'll stop in. You know, Gino Rivera, for example, we, we almost used them different times. So he worked the show that afternoon. Hey, is it okay if I come by? Absolutely. There was another guy, this guy, Bruce uh, Wayans, and he came by and it was like, oh, you got any spots? And it's like, bro, no, we don't got any spots, you know. And then there's the guys like from Arizona that, you know, the the Dom, the Dom crew from uh, Phoenix Championship Wrestling. Yeah. You know, they had class and Hammerstone and Graves. And there's always a few of those guys that come down just to help, just to be there. That way, when they're ready and I get told by a guy like Hammerstone or Graves that these guys, like they did with class when class was ready, you know, I got, you know, a message from Hammerstone and Dom. Hey, here's a guy, you know, he's a good dude, blah, blah, blah. And we brought him in and he was just as advertised. You know what I mean? He was everything we can expect from a guy who doesn't have that much time in the business. And there's no doubt, you know, he's the epitome of future stars of wrestling. You know, he's got everything it takes to get to that next level, except the experience. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, we're trying to feed him that experience. You talked earlier about the pre-show match. This is the second time class worked in the pre-show match. And guess what? The crowd was extremely lively. And he wrestled the guy, Nico, uh, who, who works with Wise Guy in Fresno at Best of the West. And the crowd really despises class. You know, doesn't do anything to be kind of cool. You know, that's when you talk about being a heel. Like Brett... You know, he'll go on Facebook and, you know, he'll rail you with four posts on Facebook if you answered one to him where you kind of take shots at him and he'll try to bury you. He's not trying to make friends on Facebook. Right. That's another thing that is tough to juggle. You know, I'm a monster wrestler. And then on Facebook, hey, everybody, I was at my family reunion with my grandma and it's like oh my goodness can you like do two different pages you know what I mean it's just like I get it we know what wrestling is and we know people are generally different than that but it's like people want to believe Yeah, you know what I mean it's like yeah me and my Grammy's 90th birthday party it was so much fun but tomorrow I'm going to eat my opponent's children. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I, I don't know if I can really take that seriously, that comment. In. <laughs> oh, and that's that's a, such a good point. And that's something that um, even just thinking about, you know, someone like Brett um, who, who or class who commit to what they're doing and what they're selling – uh, is is so invaluable now in this day and age. Uh, do you think that having just gone through a pandemic where you know so many people across the country were locked up for such a long time, that that might be one of the reasons that there's so much more um, of a sponsorship opportunity, and also even just in that sense where you said like you know guys using facebook or instagram to show um that real side of them um they're you know pulling back the curtain obviously is a term that's used do you think that some of the people who do these sponsorships because they get to see that aspect now are more willing to then put forward uh some kind of money to make that those opportunities happen because they like the person behind the character um, as well as, you know, what, what the 
person's doing uh, as far as their character and in-ring work. Do you think that those blurred lines um, and, you know, the sense that everyone's kind of gotten closer because of the pandemic and the internet coming together, that that is kind of it ushered in this new um, phase of, you know, getting more opportunities for guys through the sponsorships? Well, I think first off, the sponsorships have become more popular because, you know, I know people were out of work, but a lot of people who were out of work were getting paid to stay out of work. And if you're in an apartment or you live with your parents, when you're getting, you know, an extra 300 or for a while, 600 a week, and you got this money, it's always like, that's what you hear about a guy running a show. Oh, he wants to come into money. Oh, he got his tax return. He wants to run a show. Well, these situations, as we've learned, you know, uh, we had a, a wait list confirmed for the FSW GCW show. Okay. And in all honesty, we're not sure, but we plan on doing it at the FSW arena, but we were concerned, hey, you know, tickets, 50, 55 bucks. Uh, the show is going to be SummerSlam Saturday at 12 noon. And it's like, nobody gives a fuck. They're like, hey, I need to get my tickets. Hey, how do I get my tickets? And it's like, we're, I'm really contemplating checking out a different spot other than the FSW Arena to have a few more people because I don't know if our building will be able to hold it. And it's like, so SummerSlam weekend. So now my son decided he wants to do his own show. Okay, so that's going to happen at Friday at 2 o'clock. Then GCW is doing a show Friday at 7 o'clock. And we're doing Natural Born Killers at 11 o'clock. And... Del Rio supposedly running a show Friday night at eight o'clock. Right. Okay. That, that, that's Friday, Saturday. We're running a show at noon and then WWE's got SummerSlam, which is going to take up most of the day. There's still talk about doing a midnight show, a Joey Janela type thing, blah, blah, blah. So far, nothing set in stone. So then, cause SummerSlam's on Saturday we're going to do an FSW women's show because there's a lot of women in town. They're doing a signing with some. There's the, there's the WWE tryouts. Right. So it's better for us to do the women's show the day after SummerSlam than two and a half weeks before because travel-wise, it gives us more of an access to better names sure. and talent for that show. And then we're working right now with No Peace Underground, and I'm not sure if anybody else is going to get involved, but instead of like a joint FSW versus GCW show, it's going to be more a spotlight show featuring three, you know, three or possibly four companies where, you know, FSW match Hammerstone will probably defend against somebody, you know right. what I mean, that FSW guy. And we might do a couple of joint matches in terms, but it's going to be totally different than the FSW, GCW, which is literally us versus them. Right. You know what I mean? So you're talking two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You know, that's eight shows. And I'm pretty sure the other companies in town are going to try to run their shows also. Right. So might be 10 or 11 shows that are going on that weekend and we're not going to be happy running a show in front of 50 people because hey we got to run SummerSlam weekend now that's not how we operate right you know we want to have people at our shows we want it to be a big deal you know if it's not a big deal then we're not doing it right you, you know what I mean it's like we're bringing in the best talent. We're going to try to mix and match and give people a reason. So between SummerSlam and the FSW GCW show and the GCW show 
And let's just say you go to one other show. You know, you're already party of two for GCW is 100. For the FSW, GCW is 100. For SummerSlam, it's probably 300. Another show. So just to watch some matches, you're in $700 for a party of two. Okay? So to say wrestling fans have no money, you're insane. Because now gonna buy a nick gage shirt because he's in vegas right you know who's gonna buy you know a a gcw fan who comes and sees fsw versus gcw and buys a chris bay shirt you know or buying some snacks and buying some drinks and you know it's pretty easy and then you gotta pay for a hotel yeah and in some cases, you got to fly. So the trip to come out here for maybe two or three shows is like $1,500 minimum yeah. if you're coming from out of town. So it's like when these people come to our show, like we offered – the tickets are probably going to go on sale Friday or Saturday. We got people that were on the wait list, so we offered them the first option – and so far, all those people through Twitter, I have no idea who any of them are. Whether they've come to any shows or not, those names aren't familiar. And I keep a log of everybody that's purchased tickets through PayPal because a lot of times we don't do the physical tickets. So it's like, oh, Matt Michaels. Okay, he's, uh, he's got uh, three front row. Okay, so when you come in, we mark you off. And... I'm pretty aware of a lot of the names of people who come to a bunch of our shows, Yeah, you know, and there's so many new faces that you need to deliver. You can't have a bad show because those people aren't going to ever come to another show again. Right. If the, the show you gave them was like, ah, oh, wow, I heard FSW was awesome. Man. This show wasn't that good. There's a couple of good guys, but not worth me wanting to come in because the goal is when FSW runs a huge event like we did at the anniversary show, whether those people were in for GCW or they're aware of us through Facebook or Twitter, we got people who drove in from California specifically just to come watch our show. Right. And we need to make sure that those people enjoy what they see. So they keep coming back. But more importantly, they go on social media and spread the word to other people about what, how awesome it was to see an FSW show live for the first time. Yeah. Or subscribe to, now they could subscribe to the network. Now they could buy the fight TV pay-per-view, you know, and that's part of the reason why we're working with GCW. They got a much bigger fan base than us but our fan base locally is pretty rabid. So when we do a show versus GCW and both fan bases are in the, in the building, it, it definitely should be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And let me ask you along those lines of, um, you know, companies working with each other, um, whether it be two companies in that situation of versus or, uh, uh, you know, four different companies, five different companies together, you know, putting on different matches. Were you ever uh, a fan of what was done with the NWA, AWA, uh, WCCW, where you'd have those uh, super cards? Did you ever get into those in the 80s? I lived in New York and I remember like NWA versus AWA, but I wasn't like a huge fan of either company at that time. Like a little later because of the TBS, I became more aware of the NWA and I liked it a lot better than the AWA, you know, until it showed up on like ESPN and, you know, there was Kurt Henning who I liked a lot. And, you know, there was definitely talent there. Uh, Yes, I like the idea, but I also like the idea back in the day more of the regional companies. Right. You know, that's where it was kind of lost. And we tried to do that a few years back with FSW Arizona. 
but the problem became that it wasn't my show in Arizona. Right. It was the guy who was kind of running it through me. And did I, I booked the shows, but I could only book it on the talent that he wanted to bring in. So the very first show we did, we were setting up the Arizona champion who was Tyson Tyler, who ran the company and Alcatraz was our champion at the time. And the buildup was for the unification match and we were spending time. So FSW Arizona had a relationship with Chuck Palumbo and Johnny the Bull. And, you know, we had our crew and they had Val Venus. So I remember we did a unification of the tag belts. It was Val Venus and a guy named Dexter Verity. And they wrestled the scum. And the thing was, the first show, we had Brandon Gatson. We had Sean Ricker, which is L.A. Knight. And we had Alcatraz and we had, you know, all our name guys that were over there. The problem became when they would run their regular FSW Arizona shows. Now, all of a sudden, they're bringing in a carload of the low card younger guys. Right. And it's what we would call future shock today. Right. Like they would use their good talent from Arizona but they wouldn't, you know, bring in a lot of the names. You know, I remember one show, you know, they used like Dabari and Saiku and Remy and Manly and things like that. But there wasn't very many. They, they would sprinkle in some of the name guys. And it, 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 it didn't work that way. You know, we're trying to build. It's like the WWE hey, we're going to now try to take over, let's say, someplace in South America. And instead of bringing in Roman Reigns and, and John Cena, you know, we're going to bring in, hey, we got the main event crew or the 205 crew. Well, it's, it's totally different. Right. You know, nobody wants to see, you know, Mustafa Ali against, you know, Mansoor as the main event to show that they're trying to do it in a 20,000-seat arena, you know? Right. You need to have Roman Reigns wrestle Cesaro or, or whoever it is. And, you know, the problem becomes those younger guys, they want the opportunity, they're going to work for less, so you're worried about budget and you don't want to spend this money, but you can't grow unless you bring in the best of the best. Sure. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, speaking, we talked a little bit about uh, the talent initiative and um, Percy Drews and Travis Titan. Um, what did you think about um, the four-way with uh, Adrian Quest, Travis Titan, Matt Vandergriff, and uh, Jay Vidal? Did that live up to the expectations that you saw in your head when you put that together? Well, yeah, because I knew Travis Titan was going to be different than the other three. And my first vision of the first main crazy four-way I did was one we were doing the IWF in Arizona, and it was uh, Rich Swan, a high flyer, A.R. Fox, a high flyer, heel, uh, Tony Nice, a high flyer, and the fourth guy was J.T. Dunn. And J.T. Dunn was was a ground and pound, was, you know, a character-driven, you know, but he offset what those guys did right. to the di- – he was, he was the, the dynamic – that made that match different than just being, you know, uh, a PWG ring of honor four way, all four guys flopping around and it goes 20 minutes and there's 47 near falls. Right. You know what I mean? And with Travis Titan, I could have put Percy Drews in that match and they would have been four pretty much the same type of wrestlers. Right. You know, 
So Travis became more of the, the character-driven heel in that match to offset. And, again, it, it was my favorite match on the show. You know, once again, you know, Vandergriff and, and Jay Vidal delivered. You know, Adrian Quest is awesome, too. And it's like, you know, it, it's amazing – Again, with Jay Vidal and, and Parada as the bad bitches, I knew Jay Vidal was good. But again, we had such an overflow of talent in the No Limits division. And Vandergriff and Damian Drake were such good friends that after Damian Drake lost the No Limits title, he really wanted to settle down and team up with Matt and do their thing. Right. So Matt, Damian Drake, Jay Vidal – those are three of probably the top five no limits guys we got. And we pulled them out of the division because we wanted to make sure that tag team division was as solid as it could be because we had so much talent in the no limits division. And now that Parada left and Damian Drake got hurt, it's like those guys haven't missed the beat. Like they haven't had to like kind of go back to, to, to getting back into the, singles mode right you know what i mean like you want to talk about some of the best matches we've had over the past six months in almost every case jay vidal or matt vandergriff is one of the participants in the match yeah and sometimes both you, you know what i mean so you can't argue that and and that's that fast pace style you know super cool stuff trying to be innovative you know, doing cool things, you know, and Ice Williams, man, he, he, he's, he's got to have eyes everywhere. You know, you got Bay eyeing him and I'm pretty sure Matt Vandegrift and, and Jay Vidal, but Jay's got to get past uh, Gregory Sharp. You know, he got the victory at the anniversary show, but uh, Sharp uh, showed that it isn't over just yet. <laughs> um. And, you know, the innovative stuff, uh, that, what is it, a 450 that Vandegrift did? Like, yes. I I don't know how the hell a human being is able to do some of the stuff that these guys can do. It's unbelievable. And Matt's not a small guy. No, 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 absolutely not. In fact, man, I, I really want to see when you have that plane ticket ready for Matt Hardy... I want to see Hardy versus Vandegrift. <laughs> All I need is Matt to answer the phone. <laughs> and that's, by the way, not Vandegrift. Right. I, I hope Matt Vandegrift is still at the phase where he answers his phone. <laughs> uh, finally, as we kind of wrap up here, uh, going forward, um, you're going to have a uh, high octane coming up on the 23rd um, and a future stock coming up on the 31st. Of course, FSW network is six ninety nine a month. If people sign up, they can see these uh, shows live. Uh, and that's all you have to pay for is just the network uh, subscription for those shows. Uh, is there anything that you're uh, thinking of right now in terms of what people might be seeing uh, for either of those shows? Yeah, we're actually trying to finalize the deal uh, for Death Proof to defend the tag titles against the Defy Tag Team Champions, Midnight Heat. Wow. So we're just making sure all parties good to go. Uh, so that'll be definitely an interesting match. Uh, I know Cody from his travels in Oregon, he is very familiar uh, with the work of Midnight Heat. And as I said, they are the Defy Tag Team Champions. So that's definitely, you know, one step closer as Defy starts getting ready to do things. Uh, you know, we had talked, but they were not ready to, to, to be a part of it. But down the line, we're definitely looking at a working relationship with one of the, uh, you know, top indie companies in the Northwest. So, you know, that's a match that looks like it is going to happen. Then, uh, you know, they weren't at the last show. So expect to see 
the No Limits champion and the Nevada State champion. They will also uh, be on hand on the 23rd. We got a little bit of extra time since we're taking a couple more weeks off. So kind of finalizing who's available, you know, and, you know, where we could, you know, place people and and guys who may not have been around. Uh, We can also announce that uh, Chris Bay will return to action as he will go one-on-one with Watson. Wow. Which one-on-one could be one-on-four against Watson. So. <laughs> Um, and that's that's wonderful. I think uh, I think Watson sometimes gets kind of lost in the fray with lights, camera, faction because of the fact that you know you've you've got you've got some big Is he mouths. So quiet? Yeah, you got some big mouths on those guys. And uh, but damn, he's he's showing that he's improving as well. It's it's fascinating to see you know coming out of the pandemic how much some of these guys have stepped up their own games to, you know, put attention on themselves uh, with their, you know, whether it be upping their physique, upping their in-ring work, uh, upping their mic skills. Um, It's just kind of exciting that we're, we're seeing a new flourish of talent that eventually is going to be, that next uh, rung of talent going into Impact and ROH and NXT and AEW. Uh, as we wrap up here, Joe, when you look at um, how crazy SummerSlam weekend's going to be, what is your kind of routine for the next, you know, I guess it's about six to eight weeks? Um, with having to maintain your schedule of shows that you're doing, but also to put all these different deals in place. And is it constant, you know, contact through emails and phone calls, et cetera, that you're looking at now f- to be running phone calls? What's, what's a phone call? <laughs> Joe, you know, we're, we're still, <laughs> we're still rotary dial here. So you, you know, my internet, right? <laughs> Yeah, your bandwidth has been low the entire show, obviously. Um, but is that kind of how it you know it it works for you now? Is that um, you just have all this stuff in your plate that you're trying to balance out while making sure everything is eventually ready for what is going to be aside for WrestleMania, the second biggest weekend in wrestling in the year. Surprisingly, it's. Every day, anyway. Every day, I'm I'm trying to do things and and figure things out and you know like that. Like right now, I mean, you know, make a post. Hey, you know, let everybody know any any women wrestlers that are going to be in town SummerSlam weekend. You know what I mean? And it's like I'm also like, okay, what do we need for the 31st? Hey, we got a future shock, so I know I'm bringing in uh, Mike Rain and Wise Guy on that one, and the 23rd. It's like, okay, there's some of the younger guys that didn't get an opportunity on the third, so we got to make sure we got to get that. But in the back of my head, it's like, hey, you know, I saw Graves. I hit up Caljack, you know, for Natural Born Killers. And every day, regardless if it's SummerSlam weekend or it's just, you know, somewhere in the middle of April, you know, it's trying to figure out what the next thing that we're doing. You know, there there is no downtime. I can't take a break. You know, my break is, oh, we did a show Saturday. Sunday, I'm going to sit around, do nothing. And then Monday, it's back to, you know, work. But when you say work, it isn't like putting in eight hours of, like, a, a grind. Right. You know, it's. It's getting my notepad and like, okay, who's going to be here? Hey, what am I thinking about? Like, okay, Eli Everfly can't make this date, but he's got that date. Now, who's Eli Everfly going to work? Oh, okay, July 3rd, I wanted to do Matt Vandegrift against Jack Cartwheel, but, oh, Cartwheel wasn't available. And it's like it's mixing and matching all these guys. And then it's like, oh, okay, well, we could do Hero Lou with this guy. And it's like, oh, yeah, but he worked him already three months ago. And it's – trying to remember and trying to give different things. And it's, you know, 
I haven't even really looked at the joint show with No Peace Underground yet of what we were going to do because they're going to provide their own matches. They're going to provide, uh, I believe, an EC3. Well, who's to say we don't do EC3 and Hammerstone versus Toko Uso, sure. which I think would be a huge main event after what happened with EC3 at that match. Yeah. You know, don't know. It's still trying to figure it out, you know, and who's going to be in town and, you know, what name guys and natural born killers, you know, we, we already have the list, you know, we, we got Dave Mazzani and Ryan Walker from Bellator and Brett, the thread and graves and Cal Jack and who else is going to be available. And those are guys, you know, Tom Lawler and maybe Simon Gotch. And it's like trying to put the show together with the right people. You know, uh, there, there, there's a huge rumor that we will have a big return to FSW on date, you know. And longtime FSW fans, you know, hopefully would be very excited about that. And there, there, there's so many guys there, but it's like, well – there's a bunch of guys I'd like to use like Chris Dickinson. I'm assuming he's going to be in town for GCW that weekend. Right. Well, if Chris Dickinson's already in town, you know, I'm 95% certain that, you know, a Chris Dickinson graves natural born killers match would be something that would be really fun to see, yeah. you know? And it's also like, Hey, we're doing this show at 11 o'clock is are people going to still come out? Well, I learned one thing that people on a Saturday at noon, they're willing to come out. So on a Friday night after GCW, are they willing to come watch a super cool event? Right. You know, I hope. Yeah, it's um, it's exciting to be. My, my work is never done, Matt. <laughs> no, it's 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 exciting to hear because that. Um, that just gives so much more uh, of anticipation. And I think that, um, like you said, you're going to be putting in, if you're a fan coming from out of town, you're going to be putting in a lot of um, money into your trip. Why not make the investment into some really good, you know, and diverse types of shows. Um, and I think that putting on these different shows, um, and uh you know giving the the trying to create a new fan from seeing this uh you know variety of things is just such an invaluable thing and um i can't uh even imagine uh having the brain going 24 hours a day like you do uh, because it is a full-time job and uh it's just remarkable what you're able to present uh, for the fans, and I think that's the biggest sentiment right there for the fans. Um, so I hope that everyone listening and watching, uh, please start putting your name onto lists and you know start getting your tickets when they're available because a lot of this stuff is going to sell out very, very quickly, and um, you don't want to miss the opportunity uh, to see it live if you're going to be in town. But also remember that a lot of this stuff is going to be available on Fight TV. It's going to be available through the network. Um, so, you know, keep that in mind if you're not out here for SummerSlam weekend to please support, uh, you know, FSW as well as companies like GCW uh, because it's important uh, for these guys to, uh, you know, have the fans uh, entertained. And um, that's why they do this is for everyone who uh, loves wrestling. Any final thoughts, Joe, as uh, we uh, finish up? Nah, it's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm scrolling through the Facebook, and it has a, a memory from two years ago, and it's the actual first Natural Born Killers. And it's got Kevin Cross, and it has Moxley, but you could just see that there is not a spot for someone to actually, like, move. Yeah this show was it's like you know we got a lot of things going on you know i always say that my work ethic 
is what's helped me get to where it is. And the reason I feel that we're as successful as we are is because I don't believe there's anybody out there that is going to outwork me. And, you know, I try to instill that on my kid who sometimes thinks it's easy. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what he does because, you know, uh, he thinks it's simple. Um, you know, it's going to be very, uh, very kind of, uh, uh, shall we say, maybe therapeutic for him to get that experience and, and see what it's like. But I think that, um, you know, you as, as a father, um, I think it's just going to be fun for you to at least get to see his perspective of being able to run his own show and uh you'll uh you'll probably know then and there if uh, joey's interested to continue this in the future <laughs> well let's see what type of crowd he manifests from his thinking you know it takes a lot more than thinking and manifesting things to actually have them occur you're gonna be so pissed off aren't you if he <laughs> He just manifests by thinking a full auditorium of people. <laughs> well, I think he's got a tough uh, thing in store. It's, it's Friday yeah. at two o'clock. I don't. I just think there's not going to be as many people in town. That's that's why the WWE not doing it on Sunday really right really hurt us a lot because Friday the idea was to do you know a Friday night show, maybe even the late night show. But Saturday would would have been the big FSW show. You know, FSW, GCW would be, you know, 7, 8 o'clock on, on the, the Saturday night. Right. The day before Slam. Like, I can't believe that we couldn't sell out the FSW arena. I think we already are with, at 12 noon. That's why it's like I still need to kind of look at other options. The problem is... Some of the options are way overpriced, and some of the options, like Samstown, don't even exist anymore. Right. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what um, you know unfolds in these next few weeks. Um, everyone who listens and watches, please, uh, you know, keep watching and listening and supporting FSW. Um, again, the network is six ninety nine a month. Uh, you get so much content on that that you can you know sit and watch and enjoy and uh keep listening to the vegas bad boys of podcasting and until next week we'll see y'all then bye bye